The great desire of God is a desire to give himself in love, to be the source and the font of all goodness, all love, all life, all truth, all beauty, and that that might flow out to all of us, and then there might return a great um, song, a great life, a great swell of rejoicing and gratitude as we give ourselves back to him. This is the cycle that is to exist in all of creation, this, this outpouring of God that we receive and then we give ourselves back to him, this almost like a beating heart, like a circulatory system of love. In this movement, in this desire of God, God raises up um, certain elements, people, and positions to join him in the work of giving himself, revealing himself, guiding his people. Um, And their job, their role, is to receive from God and then pass that on. In some ways, that's the cycle of all of life, is to receive everything from God and then pass it on, to give it away as a gift. So Jesus here is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees who who have a, a role that's been given to him that God desires for them to be the teachers of the people of Israel, to be these conduits through which God's teaching might flow down through them and out to the people, that they might be a, a source of connection between him and his people. So these are the religious leaders of the time. Uh, they, in some ways, are like the people Israel. So the first reading is kind of talking about Israel and uh, the priests of Israel. The job of Israel was to come to know who God was and to have a relationship with him, but first and foremost, to pass that on to everybody else. Israel, the nation, was to be, supposed to be a light to all the other nations. So again, their job was to receive from God, to know God, and then for that to flow out to all corners of the earth, that there might be this, this great family drawn into God and to his love. So there's something very heartbreaking when God looks upon the very people who are supposed to be the channel, the bridge between him and all people, when those people become an obstacle. There's something really unseemly, something really sad, tragic about that. Because again, they're chosen to be this conduit. So this is what's going on in the heart of Jesus with the scribes and the Pharisees. This gospel that we have today is um, just the first part of, uh, I don't know if you call it almost a diatribe. Jesus casts, he just keeps saying, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. And again, it's out of the disappointment of his heart, the disappointment of a lover who desires that they would be the bond to help connect him to his people. So, Today he's talking to the crowds, but he's talking about these leaders, the scribes and Pharisees. He says, the scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Moses was the great teacher, the great prophet, whose job was to connect God to his people. So Jesus says, so, so do what they tell you, but, but don't be like them. Don't follow their example. Because they preach, but they don't practice. It's like they themselves aren't being transformed by this message that's been entrusted to them. They're receiving the truth of of what God is revealing, but they don't let it take root in their lives and in their hearts. He says they tie up heavy burdens and put it on people's shoulders and don't don't give them to even lift a finger to help them. Like, no, their job is to help, to raise up, to encourage but they don't. They just make life harder for people, more demanding, and they don't, they don't do anything to help. It says, 
all their works are performed to be seen, which means they don't do acts of kindness just because they're kind. They don't love people because it's the loving thing to do. They do it what? So that people will see them. It's like they're waiting. They're waiting by the collection box until somebody comes in and they're like, ooh, <laughs> you know? Like they just want to be seen, which means it's not about a flow of love. It's about reversing this flow into themselves, becoming selfish. The more we are concerned about ourselves and how we look and whether we have enough, something dies in us. We're meant to pour out our lives as a gift of love and receive everything from God. The flow, again, is to come from God through us to others. When we, when we try to, 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 to dam up that flow, something, something dies in us. The scribes and Pharisees, their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries, they lengthen their tassels. If any one of you is even thinking about widening a phylactery, stop it, okay? If one of you is thinking about what is a phylactery, don't worry about it. Yours is wide enough. I don't know what, I, some sort of a something, I don't know. We don't have them anymore. Moving on. But they love the places of honor, the seats of honor, and when people call them rabbi. When someone calls them rabbi, they think, gosh, aren't I great? What it should summon in them is this almost a dread of like, wow, it's my job to teach. That's crazy. But they've twisted this title to be a title of, of like, look, aren't I impressive? Jesus is saying about them, like, they don't, they don't understand any of this. Like, they've got it all upside down. So Jesus is now talking to his disciples. He says, as for you, don't be called rabbi. You have but one teacher. Rabbi means teacher. You have but one teacher, and you're all brothers. There's a leveling out immediately that if the scribes and Pharisees knew that they were just brothers of everyone else, gosh, what, what greater kindness and humility that they would have, what, what tact that they would have in their interactions instead of, instead of trying to, to raise themselves up. It says, call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Don't be called master. You have one master, Christ. Now, we want to be... Uh, this sometimes, this passage is used against Catholics because it's like, it says it's called nobody father. And then you dopes are walking around <laughs> calling that guy father. He's too, he's not young enough. He's young enough to be your grandson, you know, <laughs> much less your father. What are you calling him father? It's in the Bible. Don't do that. Okay, well, if you called your dad dad, then you're breaking this too, if that's the way we read it. Okay, but what's it saying? It's saying all fatherhood, St. Paul talks about this to the Ephesians, all fatherhood comes from God the Father. And, and in some ways, only God the Father is our true Father. Our earthly fathers are to be a sacrament of God's fatherhood. So they're supposed to point us past themselves to God. So they're supposed to be kind of transparent. They're pointing, they're saying, it's not all about me. No, uh, God the Father is your Father, but, but I want to show you what he's like. Same, the rabbis, the teachers, it's not about them. No, there's only one teacher. That's God. And so they're supposed to not point to themselves like, look at me, I know this stuff, aren't I a great teacher? No, 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 they're supposed to be like humble and say like, no, all, it's all coming from God. God's, God's the teacher. And I, it's just my job to, to convey that on. Same as being a master. No, God's the master. He's the Lord of all things. But in the world there are bosses, yeah? Some of you got bosses. But the job of a boss, and this is crazy, is supposed to be a sacrament of God. To be a sacrament of God's care, his guidance, his rule over the earth. That kind of changes things, doesn't it? Because once some people get to be a boss, it feels like I'm a boss for me. No, no, no. No, you have one boss, and that's God. So we're trying to, Jesus is trying to open up this flow again. It's all coming from God out to you. But when, it, when we try to make it stop with us, then things just fall apart. 
He says, the greatest among you must be your servant. The greatest among you is not the one that tries to make themselves great. No, that's not actual greatness. No, to be truly great, and this is, this is real. This isn't just church stuff. To be actually great, the greatest thing you can possibly be is a servant. Because in doing so, who do you become like? Well, you become like God, who came not to be served, but to serve. The scribes and Pharisees, they, on some level, they want to be good, and they want to be like God. But they think of God as domineering and controlling and taking all the glory for himself out of selfishness. What they don't know is God is totally selfless. He's totally outward. He wants to pour himself out to give himself. So Jesus, again, is lamenting the scribes of the Pharisees. I have to apologize. This reading, in some ways, like, this is a scary one to read as a priest. Because I lose track of this fact, or sometimes I don't even want to accept it, that literally, I'm here to serve you. That's my job. A lot of you show a lot of respect towards me, and that's nice. I, I do appreciate that. But there's a way in which it's, it's both important that you and that I remember, like, I am your servant here. Like, I don't run the parish. God runs the parish. I'm, I'm here to serve. Literally, to, to be a servant to you. I, I apologize for ways in which I have not done that. For ways in which I have sought honor or, or tried to impress you or get you to, to think highly of me in ways that I've been like these Pharisees and scribes in which I haven't seen you well and seen that uh, yeah, you have immense dignity and you don't exist for me. You're not mine. No, I'm, I'm yours. I'm, I'm to be your servant. I apologize because um, I have failed you and I'm sorry. I apologize for all, all of us priests who have, who have failed you in that way. We are not to be above you. No, we are to be below you to help you, to raise you up, to encourage you, to literally to serve you. So we see Jesus' sadness with the five scribes and Pharisees and there's a conviction of that sadness kind of in me and again, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but the second reading, we see what saints look like. This is St. Paul. And he's talking about when he came as an apostle. I mean, not just a priest, this is an apostle to bring the gospel. And he says, brothers and sisters, we, we were gentle among you. As a nursing mother cares for her children. This is Paul. Paul, the great apostle, chosen by God to, to preach his gospel. If anybody could have thought they were hot stuff, it would have been Paul. And Paul says what? Gosh, I was just so gentle with you, like a, like a nursing mother to her child. And I was filled with just, just affection for you. Like I just love, I was filled with so much love that I was determined not just to share with you the gospel, but my, like I just wanted to give you myself, to give you all of me. To give you my, my entire self. He toiled night and day, working night and day to raise money so that he wouldn't burden them. He didn't want to take anything from them. He just wanted to totally give himself to them. Gosh, isn't that beautiful? There's a way in which everybody in our lives is called to something of the same. Parents aren't called to like control and run the family. Know that you're called to serve your kids. Especially when you're little, you're very, that's very clear, yeah? 
like you're doing all the cleanup, doing all the food prep, nobody's saying thank you, right? Like, and that's, that's good. And we need that. Each of us have what's called a vocation. Our vocation is the particular pattern or structure that God is calling us to, but he's calling us all to the same thing, and that is to give ourselves away in love, to become a servant to others. Obviously, a priest is called to lay his life down in service of, of you, of the people. So it's not about me. No, it's about God. But my job is literally to sacrifice my life to in some ways become a bridge between you and God. That's the goal. There's religious who live their whole life just in prayer, tucked away with God. A lot of them serve out in the world. They serve uh, looking for Jesus in the poor and in the destitute and those who need care. But again, their lives are spent. They're given. Married people are called to give themselves away. Any of these vocations, once we turn it towards ourself, things fall apart. It's like the inside rots out. If I live priesthood for me, I'm a bad priest. If you live marriage for yourself and not for the other, things, things do fall apart. The other person can feel that. And the flow of love seizes up. It gets stale. You ever smelled stale water? Like you, you ride by and you're just like, okay, some, there's been water sitting here for a long time, Right? It's like water is meant to flow. It's meant to go, to soak in, to spread, to give life. If it just sits there, I mean, there's few things funkier than funky water that's just been sitting there, right? No, it's meant to be spent. We also believe, the church teaches this, that the vocation of marriage is not just for the couple or just for the family. It's literally for the rest of us. You are to be a sacrament, not just for yourselves of God's love, but a sacrament to all of us. It's a public vocation. The way that you live your marriage is important for everybody here and everyone you know. It's to be a manifestation of what God's love is like. That doesn't have to be scary because God wants to fill it with his love and his presence. But there's a noble calling there. Your marriage is to bless all of us. Every vocation, and everybody has one, is a manifestation of the self-giving love of God who came not to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life. And in Jesus, that very thing that we're afraid of, of giving our lives away, we we think that it's going to end like this. It's just going to end in death. There'll be nothing left. No, to actually give yourselves away in in love, in self-sacrifice, leads to unfathomable life. It leads to the resurrection. It leads to the infinite life and joy of God. So Jesus wants to draw each of us close and assure us like, hey, we're going to do this together. I want you really close to me and I want to be really close to you as we just give our lives away. It's going to be okay. I'll give you everything you need. Love is here. You'll be loved. You'll be taken care of. You don't have to to cling to anything. No, you can spend it. And you can do it in hiddenness. You don't have to make sure people see. No, we can spend it all and give it all because it just leads to life. So we want to, I think there, all of us, you know, we, we, when we talk about vocations, we think about, you know, young people that are being called to religious or priests or marriage and holy marriages. But there's a way in which God, God desires, I believe, to renew all of us in our vocations, yeah? Like who doesn't feel like they need to be renewed in their marriage? 
right? If you feel like you're just like, nah, nailed it, 100%. You've got to wake up. Your poor spouse, right? No, all of us need it. We all need renewal to once again spend ourselves, to have the courage to do so. Yeah. May God send out his spirit of vocations to, to, for each of us to receive this call to, to spend. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves, they'll be humbled. But whoever humbles himself, they will be exalted. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, death on the cross, and God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name. That every tongue must profess that that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's Philippians. Humility, loneliness, service leads to the heights of heaven, not the emptiness. Let's ask Jesus to give us courage, like to stand really close to us and give us the courage to give ourselves away, to pour ourselves out, to serve, to sacrifice, to love in hiddenness and humility those around us. We might truly be his. We might know the joy of true love, of giving ourselves away in love.